Hello and welcome to the Macabre Family Podcast. Today I am here with none other than me, Kiki. <laughs> Today and next week we are diving into the Skinwalker Ranch and all the mysterious events that occur there. I know you have watched the show and maybe some of you have as well. The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, I think, is on season two now, right? I think so. I started watching the first season. If you don't know, it's a television show on the History Channel where a group of investigators are investigating the goings-on on the ranch for the new owner. That is a very short description. <laughs> we'll get into that stuff uh, and what they're finding on episode two. For this episode, we'll be getting into the origin of the name Skinwalker Ranch and the early tales of the 480-acre plot of land. Many Native American tribes have different versions of the Skinwalker. Each group shares a few similar attributes. Do you know what the Skinwalker is? Like, where the it's name like come the, from? Uh, no, but I'm pretty sure it's someone that, like, kind of shapeshifts. Yeah, right? that's about right. Yeah. They all are male- malevolent witches capable of transforming into an animal. If that sounds scary, believe me, it is. You should Google what, like, an artist's rendition of a Skinwalker is. It's creepy. Is it really? Yes. The Ute and the Navajo Native Americans used to fight with each other against their common enemies. Okay, that sounds weird. They fought together, <laughs> not against each other, like mm-hmm. against the Spanish and all the people that were coming to try to take their lands and stuff. They would fight together against them. Eventually, though, for some reason, the Utes turned their back on the Navajo. They started to abduct the Navajo people from their lands and sell them into the slave trade. This started a big issue between the two uh, tribes. During the Civil War, the Utes joined up with Kit Carson and joined in a military campaign against the Navajos. The Navajo were taken from their home and forced to march in a reserva- to a reservation in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. This was called the Long Walk of the Navajo. Have you ever heard of it? No. See, shit, we don't learn shit in like our history classes apparently because I'd never heard of it either. They took them all from their lands marched them, I think it was like 1,800 miles to a reservation and they had to be there for a couple of years. Like they just, it's basically concentration camp style stuff, you know? They move them from where they live to put them where they want them to be. Aww. Eventually the Navajo were able to go back to their land, but this was several years later. The Utes believe that because of the way they treated the Navajo and everything they did to them, the Navajo put a curse on the Ute tribe. Ever since then, the Sky uh, Skywalkers, <laughs> Skinwalkers, have hunt, haunted the Utes. So Gicky googled what the artist's rendition of a Skinwalker is, and she loves it. I do. I want a tattoo of one now. So not much is known on the Skinwalker. The tribes don't speak about it outside of the tribe, and even talking about it at all is taboo. It's kind of like speak of the devil kind of thing, so if you talk about it, you could be hunted by it or haunted by it. You speak it, and it will come to you. So, are we going to get hunted by... No. Skinwalkers? <laughs> there is some known on how one becomes a skinwalker, though. Sometimes they would live through their lives as respected healers and spiritual guides until something changed and they chose evil instead. In order to become a skinwalker, you must commit an evil deed. You must kill a close family member. Usually it's a sibling. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I've had heard and on a different podcast where they said that 
another part of the ritual is um, with the corpse. Oh, like have intercourse with the dead body. Yeah, necrophilia. Oh, that's weird. So there's a podcast, um, the last podcast on left. They did a whole series on it. They said that, and I did see in another article I was looking at where they say they do it with female corpses, but not male. I don't know. What? Yeah. Um, most you both male and female can become a skinwalker, but mostly it's males. This killing uh, your sibling is said to give them the ability to shape shift into an animal. Usually it's the form of a coyote, wolf, fox, cougar, dog, and bears. But apparently it can be any animal, so. Oh, that's so cool though. Right? What would you want to be? A wolf. A wolf? Yeah. That's basically. A black wolf. A black wolf. Yeah. That's basically what everybody sees when they see these, but. I don't know. I want to be like a little fox. Sly fox. I saw fox last night on my way home. <laughs> I was running down the road. I thought it was a cat because it's so little. Yeah, they're so cute. I love they really foxes. are. The eyes and the enormous size are usually what give it away as a skinwalker, not just a regular animals. The eyes will glow red, and the animals are usually way too big than normal, like the normal size, like three, four times the size. Oh. Don't predators' eyes usually glow red? <clears throat> or is that um, it's not red. It's like if they're night animals, then there'll be a glow to it. But if there's light, yeah. because they have oh goodness, it has something to do with their like their eye composition. Okay. Yeah. So they people say when they see it, their eyes will glow red when they're animal form, but when they're in the human form, their eyes are more animal like. So like. I don't know how. they. That's just how they explain it. They said that when they're an animal, you can tell their eyes look more human when they're in animal form. But if you shine a light on the glow red, but when they're in their human form, their eyes look more animal-like. Well, I guess you can see, like, animals' eyes are definitely different than ours. Like, what, yeah. Cats? Yeah, well, you look at the dog's eyes, too. Like, they have similarities where everything's round, yeah. but there's a lot that's different. Um, we will talk about the multiple close encounters with these creatures on the farm and how they looked to the people who were there. So, did you hear about any of the Skinwalker stuff when you watched the show? Like, about, like... How they become a Skinwalker and what Skinwalker no. is? No. Go ahead. So, they didn't mention anything about it? Uh, not that I saw, but I haven't watched every episode. I yeah. just know that they talked about what a Skinwalker is, but not how they become a Skinwalker. Yeah. From what I've seen. Um, an occurrence that happened that has nothing to do with the ranch, but skinwalkers themselves, is in the 1980s, a family was took a shortcut through the Navajo Reservation. As they slowed down to take a sharp turn, something jumped out from the ditch. The family described it as a black, hairy um, creature, and it wore a shirt and pants. So, like a werewolf? I, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking, like a werewolf because they a lot of times they'll say that they're these animals are wearing clothes, so they're just like transform at the full moon. I don't no, I don't think so. I thought they could tra- they just transform when they want to. Yeah. A few days later, the family returned home to Flagstaff, Arizona. They were awakened by loud drumming and chanting outside of their house. There were when they went and looked out, 
there was three dark forms of like men, like just silhouettes standing outside their fence line. And the four, they tried to climb the fence and they couldn't for some reason. Like some kind of, something was stopping them. That's so weird. And then once they couldn't do that, they, they left the property. But like, why? They see the animal and it, my only thought would be like the other skinwalkers came to be like, don't, don't say nothing. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, like to scare them. Yeah. Events like this have been reported in the Four Corners area of southwest Colorado, southeast Utah, northeast Arizona, and northwest New Mexico. Most of the time, people come in contact with a skinwalker. It's usually just a quick visual of a too large animal riding next to a car or bright red eyes in the distance. They're never really harmful. So it's just kind of like you're driving along and they're just like running along with you and you look and you're like, oh, just look at that dog that's the size of my car. That'd be so cool to see, though. It really would. But the way the amount of stories back before the internet means it's not, I'm not going to say it's fake or real, but the history behind it seems legit where somebody's not going to make it up in you know, where Arizona and they hear about it in Colorado back before the internet and stuff like that. Just like Bigfoot. I mean, I don't think it could be a sun bear. Have you heard of sun bear? What? A sun bear. It's this big bear and it likes to walk on its hind legs. Google it. But I mean, the, it's been, yeah, sun bear, but just like the Bigfoot. I mean, there's so many stories, different places in the world. It's not every single one of them can't be bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, some yeah. could be bullshit because people are like, ooh, I heard this story. Now I'm going to say I saw it, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, but you never know. It's all, like, folklore type stuff. Yeah. So you just never know. I really think Bigfoot is probably a Neanderthal. A Neanderthal. Yeah. I, when I did my ancestry DNA, I have, like, 0. .002 <laughs> <Yeah>, Neanderthal <laughs> DNA. <laughs> yeah. Just like I have <laughs> 0. .02 Asian. Yeah. And 0. .02 Nigerian. I'm just a big old mix of shit. Yeah, you're a mutt. <laughs> yeah, I really there am. There we go. Would you want me to Google that? The sun bear. The sun Look, bear. Google the sun bear walking on its hind legs. And people, you'll spend the day doing it because it is the funniest looking thing I've ever seen. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you look at it, it does look like a Bigfoot walking around. Anyways. <laughs> we did, right? Isn't it hilarious? Oh, wait, this is... Walking bear upright. <laughs> yeah, look at it. <laughs> and if he that's had... a brown, a black bear. No, that's the sun bear, isn't it? No, yeah. Brought me to YouTube. Um, Going and if it had mange, I mean, that would look like when you oh, see it walking. That's so weird looking. Right, it looks like a little. <sighs> Anyways, sorry, people. Oh my gosh, it's so cute though. <laughs> the Utah Basin is located in northeastern Utah. This is the home to the Utes Tribes Reservation now. In the middle, boarding the reservation, kind of like a little island, is what is now known as the Skinwalker Ranch, UFO Ranch, or the Sherman Ranch. The Utes do not go on any of the ranch's land at all. They call the mesa on the ranch the path of the Skinwalker. It is basically forbidden to enter the ranch for them. And this has nothing to do with the owners of the ranch or the people. It's the Ute tribe themselves. They say, do not go there, period. Yeah. It is forbidden. Do not. Um, In 1905, the 480 acres of the ranch was homesteaded by the Myers family. 
They first built their homes on the northwest corner of the ranch, right at the foot of the Skinwalker Ridge. The Myers family soon abandoned where they put their first homestead, which, when you watch the show, Homestead won. Yeah. Um, and they set up a new homestead on the eastern side of the ranch. Why they abandoned the original homestead isn't known, but um, the way they the show portrays it as all the activity right there, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason. Yeah. All the original buildings are still there on the property to this day. Like I said, the original homestead is a hotbed for activity, but we'll get into that part two. The ranch was passed down to Kenneth John Myers and his wife, Edith Child Myers, in the 1930s. They stayed on the property until 1987. It should be known that the Myers never um, say they've ever experienced anything on the property. Like, they made it a point to be like, no, there's nothing going on here Maybe at they all. Maybe just because, like, they had an uncomfortable feeling, but they never saw anything. Well, um, for them to say that is odd. Um, it could be because they didn't want anybody to think they were crazy, or they just wanted to keep that to themselves. Like, they're not whatever they saw. Yeah. But when the next family moved in after the Myers, they were finding stuff that said otherwise, that they didn't have any experience. So were they, like, writing journals and... No. No. So the neighbors also said they had encounters and strange things. So the neighbors of the property were saying, like, no, we're witnessing weird shit, even though the Myers are saying otherwise. So before I tell you what happened... Okay. We will get uh, into who moved in after, but we're going to talk about Joseph Jr. Hicks. He was a science teacher from Roosevelt, Utah, so we're going to go back into our time machine and go back to 1950. <laughs> 1950? Yes. Yeah. After sparting a large... Oh my God, what is wrong with my voice? Spotting a large <laughs> object... Across the sky in broad daylight, he wanted to start recording all the strange UFOs in the area. So, Utah is like a big UFO area. People say it's one you. If you want to see a UFO, you go to Utah, basically. Well, I wish we looked out in the sky when we were in Utah. Oh, we went to. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, I all we could talk about is the sister wives guy. Oh, no. <laughs> and all those. Uh, what are the the. Mormon. Polygamous. No, the stupid things. Tumbleweeds that were... Oh, yeah! Just hit it! Don't stop! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting tumbleweeds in Utah or Colorado. Yeah. I've never seen those things. Those are weird. <laughs> so, Junior kind of became like a record keeper for the UFO activity in the Uintah Basin. This is such a weird name, right? Uintah? Uintah. <laughs> he would take accounts from residents in the area and research them to see if he could find out what they were. So he would, people would come to him and confide in him what they saw, and he would look into it and figure out if what they saw was actually something unexplained or if it could be explained. In total, he took over 400 records of different paranormal, paranormal activity in the area of the ranch. That's insane. That is a lot. From the 50s. So, like, UFOs, ghosts, and... Yeah, everything. If it was weird and they didn't want to report it to police, they reported it to him. Oh. 
the UFO activity, this is a quote from Junior, the UFO activity really started getting intense in the early 50s. There were cases where the whole school and all the teachers saw these things hovering over the town in broad daylight. In the 60s and 70s, we probably had more UFO sightings than any place in the world. In addition to all the research he was doing on the sightings of the UFOs in the area, he was also researching the ranch itself and the Ute lore that went along with the area. I keep, I feel like I say area weird. Area? Or I just said it too many times. <laughs> he had another quote in reference to the Skinwalker legend. The Utes take this very seriously. They think the Skinwalkers are powerful spirits and that they are here because of a curse that was put on them generations ago by the Navajos. In the center of the whole legend is this ranch. The Utes say the ranch is the path of the Skinwalker. Tribe members are strictly forbidden from setting foot on the property. It's been that way for a long time, unquote. So this is the same story. This is the 50s. So this is the same story that's been told for hundreds of years. Yeah. The Utes refuse to step on the property because they know what lives there is better left alone. Something everyone who enters the property doesn't really seem to get. And that's like... We'll talk about in episode two, the NIDS, which is the national, I don't remember. I'll look. (laughs) NIDS, um, who is Robert Bigelow, who got the property after the Shermans, and then Brandon Fugel, who has the property now. They don't seem to get that this stuff just wants to be left alone. Yeah. I mean, mean, curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity killed. Why is all this stuff happening here? We'll talk about it in episode two, but... Them not leaving it alone has caused issues, especially for the people that are on the ranch right now, which you've seen. Yeah. Just like a, when you buy a house or something, and then you start renovating it. Yeah. And then spirits get... You know that from experience. What? No. <laughs> no. And... <laughs> Um, but if people didn't do that, we wouldn't have anything to talk about right here, so. Right. Right, here we go. So, back into our time machine, we're going forward. <laughs> After the Myers family left the ranch, it stood abandoned for seven years. In 1994, a new family purchased the property. In many places for a long time, the Sherman family had different names to protect their identities. So, in articles and stuff, they would be known as different names. Um, Tom Sherman, Tom Gilmore, and Tom Gorman. They would um, change their name because they didn't want people to know what yeah. was going on. Their real names are Terry and Gwen Sherman. Tom was an accomplished... Tom, oh my God. Terry was an accomplished mm-hmm. cattle rancher himself. His wife and their two children moved to the ranch to expand their cattle business. So remember when I was saying like, the Myers said that they never witnessed anything, but there's something that said otherwise. Mm-hmm. So when they uh, moved into the house, they noticed that the previous owners had put dead bolts on everything. The kitchen cabinets, the windows, the inside and the outside of the doors. I wonder if there's a poltergeist there. Maybe there is. this strange sight would literally be the most mundane of what they would experience at the ranch Gwen would learn soon enough why the deadbolts were on the kitchen cabinets I'll save that for later though (laughs) (laughs) let's get to the first night for the family on the ranch 
The first night the family officially moved into the ranch, they witnessed a foreshadowing of sorts for their lives on the ranch. They spotted a very large wolf in the pasture near the house. The wolf walked slowly to the family like an old pet dog. The family was even able to pet the wolf. Why? Oh, why would you pet a wolf? (laughs) Why would you do that? Why would... There's a wolf coming towward you. Why would you be like, here, puppy? I don't know. Maybe it was just the demeanor, maybe. Maybe. They did say it it came up to him like it was an old dog that they hadn't seen in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the demeanor can make someone feel comfortable enough to pet it. I mean, look, they have... Like rescues a wolf, wolf rescue, and yeah. people will go in there with the wolves. But that, I mean, that's what that's the story they tell. You know that they said they petted the wolf. After a few minutes, the walk wolf walked up to the pen where Terry was keeping some of the cattle, stuck its head through the bar sideways, you know, mm-hmm. and grabbed a calf by its snout <gasps> and started trying to drag the calf through the bars. Terry and his son tried to beat the wolf to get it to let go of the calf with an axe handle. Not the, not the head, but, like, the yeah, handle. Yeah, the handle. Yep, they were hitting him with that to try to get it to drop it. And that didn't bother the wolf at all. It just kept trying to get it. So Terry shot it with the three fifty seven Magnum in the side. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it didn't do anything. Didn't yeah. bother it. No blood, nothing. Um... It still tried to pull the calf out of the pen. Finally, Terry shot more times, and the wolf let go, only to look at the family like, yeah, what, what's up? <laughs> like, not bothered at all. Uh, in the family's words, it was amused. Like, it looked amused. Like, it, they thought yeah. it was, the wolf thought it was funny. This startled them even more, the fact that they shot it multiple times, no blood, no wounds, nothing. So, he went and got a larger rifle out of his truck one used for hunting elk. It, I didn't say what kind of rifle, but I'm assuming a hunting rifle. Yeah. He shot the wolf and was able to get a chunk of fur and skin off before the wolf trotted off, seemingly unhurt. Like a let Did go. Did he save the skin and whatnot? So Terry and his son tried to track the wolf for about a mile. It followed their footprints to a muddy creek and then they just disappeared. Like, didn't, not, sorry, not Muddy Creek, Muddy Creek bed. Like, it was dried up. And it, they got the footprints, and then that was it. But um, the chunk of flesh and fur said it was, it stunk, like, really badly. Like, it started to stink immediately. Huh. Like, rotten. Yeah. A few weeks later, Gwen was driving home, and she noticed a large wolf running alongside her car. She said the wolf was about three sizes uh, bigger than a normal one. It didn't bother her, and she said it was, like, it was just out for a runny, run. Like, it was just running alongside the car, like, it was just, like, exercising, basically. Mm-hmm. Other than the calf incident, they never bothered the family at all. Just, they would encounter these extra-large wolf-like creatures, but they never did anything to the family at all. Other strange animals, um, neighbors saw as well. On one... On more than one occasion, the family and the neighbors witnessed bright-colored and exotic birds not native to the area coming around the basin in the ranch. So, like, tropical birds? Parrots? Maybe, but the way they said it was, like, more than just one. They also witnessed tall, dark animals that resembled Bigfoot or Sasquatch, or sun bears, as Nikki saw. (laughs) They're so cute. 
on one occasion that witnessed an animal with curly red hair and a bushy tail. I can't... There's like a little... I don't know if it's a badger or something that reminded me of the way they explained it. Like a little... It's low to the ground and it's heavily muscled, about 200 pounds. And it was in the horse pen, like bothering the horses, getting the horses to like mm-hmm. startle. As Terry ran up to to the pen to see what this animal was doing to his horses, it basically just vanished right before his eyes. Hmm. After he checked the horses, one of them had claw, mar- claw marks on its legs. It's probably a honey badger. Honey badger that disappears. Honey badger don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few months later, a neighbor saw the same type of animal running through his field. What did bother the family was the poltergeist activity, the orbs, and the cattle mutilations. Yeah, that's sad. So, let's start with the poltergeist activity. Oftentimes, the family would find things moved from where they left them. One instance of that was when Gwen came home from the grocery store. She unpacked everything, she had, and she had put everything away in the fridge and the cabinets. She folded the paper bags and put them away, because you mm-hmm. know you save those. Yeah, you gotta cover the books with them. <laughs> she, <laughs> I remember doing that. Yeah. She left the room to go to the bathroom, and when she came back, everything was repacked up in the bags like she never put it away. That would make someone go crazy. I would go insane. Hence the deadbolts on the kitchen cabinet. I guess so. That reminds me of the movie Poltergeist when, like, all the chairs were on the table every time she left the room and something strange happened. Yeah. UFOs and strange lights are a constant occurrence at the Skinwalker Ranch. They would see floating spheres of many different sizes and colors. On 12 separate occasions over the span of a year, the Shermans, as well as guests to the ranch and neighbors, saw different large orange circle crafts were seen flying over the trees of the original homestead. Sometimes they would even witness a hole opening up on the craft and smaller circular crafts coming out of the larger one. So, like... Independence Day. Yeah, right? (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) I love that movie. I haven't watched for a long time. They would call it a flying orange basketball. I haven't either. Jeff Goldblum is pretty handsome. Is that the scientist guy? Yeah, and Jurassic Park guy. Oh. And he does that Apartments.com commercials. Oh, that's where he's from! Yeah. I was always wondering, like, what the heck is this guy from? Um, yeah, he's hot. <laughs> you gotta watch it. those YouTube videos of, like... Um, Jeff Goldblum reading thirst tweets about himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so instead of mean tweets, it's like people obsessed with him and like wanting to sleep with him and stuff. That's weird. Talk. He's pretty cute. <laughs> and he's in the new Jurassic Park that's coming out. Oh. The whole original cast is. <laughs> For a year, the Shermans dealt with everything going on and kept quiet about it. They didn't want anyone to think that they were crazy, basically. Finally, in 1996, Terry Sherman gave up being quiet about it and sat down for an interview with the Salt Lake City, Utah Desert News newspaper. Mm-hmm. I have an article, and I'm going to go over some of what Terry said. The article was written in 1996, and to put it lightly, they didn't believe him, in my opinion. Like, basically, the first sentence of the article was like, aliens get around a lot for something that doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, basically, so I say mean. straight up. If I was him, I would have been like, why don't you come stay a week <clears throat> at our ranch? Yeah. And then they'd believe. It seems like, yeah. The person who wrote it didn't believe in aliens or the other life whatsoever. 
The very first quote from Terry was, For a long time we wondered what we were seeing. If it was something to do with a top secret project. So I think a lot of it was they didn't say anything because they thought they were witnessing, like, government stuff. They just didn't want to get killed. Yeah, right? So they, I think they didn't think it was anything out of ordinary. It was out of ordinary, but it wasn't extraterrestrial. It wasn't paranormal. It was just the government doing stuff. Yeah. The children and Terry and Gwen over the months saw a small box-like craft with white light, a 40-foot-long object, and a huge ship the size of a couple football fields. Can you fucking imagine seeing that, like, floating around by your house? I'd be super creeped out. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. I mean, maybe I would, because it's 480 acres of beautiful land. Yeah, but, I don't know, that'd be kind of cool, but scary at the same time. Yeah, because you never know if something's going to come out of it. Right. They also have seen craft emit a wavy red light as it flew along. They were able to videotape two of the sightings. So people are like, how do they not get more, like, proof and videos? It's like, this is 1996, 1994, 5, 6. 96 or 86? I thought you said 86 before. No, 96. They did, the house, they, the people before them, the Myers left it at 87 and then it sat dormant for a while. Yeah. But it's like... Back in the 90s to get videotape, you have to go get that fucking huge video camera, right? throw it on your shoulder, and try to, like, mess with it. It wouldn't work. You got it? On top of the craft, yeah. On top of the crafts, <laughs> they would see almost daily, they also had crop circles. They once discovered three circles of flattened grass, each about eight feet across in a triangle pattern, about 30 feet across from each other. So I, like, had to picture it in my head. So it's like a circle is three feet, uh, sorry, three circles, each was eight feet across in a triangle, so one up top and two on the bottom. Right. Okay. Like, I had to think of it in my head, I'm trying to picture, like, how does that, um, in another pasture, they also found soil impressions about three feet wide and a foot or two deep with the dirt in the center perfectly flattened. That'd be creepy, right? Either somebody's coming on your, somebody's coming on your land, fucking with your shit, or... Aliens are coming. That'd be so cool. Cattle mutilations were next on the list. A quote from the article about this was, We've seen the UFOs enough, and we know pretty much what the craft look like, and I think it's definitely associated with the cattle mutilations. When we see the crafts and then the cattle, we have problems. Yeah. Unquote. One of the cows had a hole drilled in the center of its left eyeball, but was untouched otherwise. They found no blood or any other trauma to the cow except for a bored hole in the eye. Another cow had a similar hole in its left eye and about a six inch hole, about an inch deep, carved out of its butthole. What? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just figuring out the anatomy of a cow, I guess. The last cow that got killed, Terry's son had seen the cow alive five minutes beforehand. They were out looking for um cattle and stuff and there was one kind of like stuck and he's like all right i'll come back and get that once i find this other cow when he came back the cow had a six inch wide 18 inch deep hole cored out of the cow's buckle that extended into the body cavity right but no none of these had blood around it and or anything like that and what is that called (laughs) I don't know. 
I'm trying to think. <laughs> like when people get abducted by yeah, aliens they, and why they have to go into our buttholes. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But, um, like I said, there's no blood found at the scene, but there was a chemical-like odor around the body. So, once they started doing research with real stuff, they found out that when this happened, the cows emitted some kind of radiation. So, they could, on a Geiger counter, they could get radiation. Um, There was no evidence of any predators around, like no footprints or anything like that. Instead of going to the police with any of this, they confided in Junior Hicks, the science teacher. Oh. That's been doing it since the 50s. Yeah. So by the 90s, how he's pretty old. Oh. <laughs> um, sometimes the cows would just disappear as well. They would follow hoof, hoof prints and they would just stop. The ground would be littered with twigs and branches and the tops of the trees around the area where the cows' hoof print stops would be like, look like they were cut off. So the took the beam and the cap. All I can think about is Fortnite. <laughs> no. Well, well, like 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 you see in cartoons, and the yeah. aliens come and abduct something. It's, it's a yeah. beam, and it's like ring, ring. and it goes up and <laughs> Other strains and events would find the mesa lit up at night by no man-made thing. They would hear the sounds of heavy machinery at night, which sounded like it was coming from underground. They would also hear voices in an unfamiliar language that sounded like it was coming from above them. Um, All these occurrences in a span of two years caused the family so much trauma. They had lost cows, which meant they lost money because that's what their business was. The family was so scared. By the end of this, they were sleeping all together in the main family room because they thought they would be safer in numbers. So I think more was happening inside the house and what they ever said because if they're all sleeping in one room and they're figuring that they're better off as a group yeah. I definitely think more was happening than they've ever told anybody the final straw was one night you're not going to like this one uh, as Terry and his three prize cattle dogs were sitting on the porch of a blue orb that Terry used to see all the time what came uh, flying around and he was like no I'm done with this and he told the dogs to go get it. So they started chasing after it and, like, nip, trying to nip at it and jumping at it. And it was like the orb was playing with them. It would go up and then it would come down, like... <clears throat> and it started leading them into a thicket of woods. Uh, the, uh, the next thing that happened was Terry heard the dogs yelp three times. So for three dogs, each yelped. Oh, no. He yelled and called for his dogs... But the orb and the dogs were gone. Wait, the dogs were gone? Like, the dogs weren't coming to him. He kept calling them, and they wouldn't come. Oh. And they were in the woods, and it was dark. And Terry, living there for two years, was like, no, no, no. I'm not going into the woods in the dark. Right. Oh. Waited until the next day to go looking for his dogs. When he got to where, in the woods where he thought the dogs were going to be, he found three charred spots in the ground with brittle and dried vegetation in like a little circle and in the middle of it was greasy black lump of basically goo three of them terry figured these were his dogs and they have been incinerated by something at that moment terry and his family said that was it they were done and lucky for them somebody had seen the article in the paper about 
all this stuff that was going on and offered them $200,000 to buy the property. That man was Robert Bigelow. Do they talk about that on the show at all? Um, probably. A little bit, but I don't, like, I don't remember hearing it. Um, I'm just, I, I focus more on what, yeah. not the people, more of what is going on. Like, the UFOs, the radiation, like, yeah. some guy thinks that there's a river that's flowing from the mountains down through the ranch and all that stuff. I gotta get, I'll be watching it for the next episode. So, Robert Bigelow was a very rich guy. And it's kind of sad he only bought it for 200 k because, I mean, it's 480 acres. It's definitely worth more than that. I don't know. There's got to be some part of that land. That's usable. That is, yeah. Um, he um, started NIDS, which is the National Institute for Discovery Science. Um, he spent, I think, almost 10 years... On this property, just doing research. We'll get into it next week, but they supposedly, quote unquote, didn't find anything. But the government was also funding him. Oh. So what they found is not, it's classified. Yeah. That's crap. And, well, it's starting to come out now. Did you see there's like, I don't know if you saw the news that they're releasing footage of UFOs. And information about it, and there's actual government saying we have no idea what this is. Period. Yeah. It's nothing made by humans. Right. So they're like, finally because I think there's way more stuff that they should be worrying about than lying to us about UFOs. Right. So like on the show though, they actually catch a UFO on the video. Like they bring up a drone or something. Yeah. Or there's something. And then in the video, you see UFO. There's multiple occasions where you see them. And then there's the lights that are above the... Mesa. Yeah. That's the thing, too. It's like... So, Robert Bigelow and Nids was there for, like I said, almost 10 years. And they claimed to never have gotten anything on camera. I watched, the, like, a couple episodes of the new... The show, Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And right away, they have the Mesa being lit up by nothing... Beams of light coming from nowhere. Right. I mean... UFO radiation. Yeah, it's insane. And then there's that triangle patch that I'm on that they were digging it up last week. They're digging? There's no digging on that link. Oh, the owner allowed it! (laughs) He's allowing it! Um, So, next week we're going to be talking about NIDS, Robert Bigelow, and all the research they did and quote-unquote didn't find. (laughs) And then we also be talking about Brandon Fugel and the team that are there now working as we speak, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. From the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, so like I said, we will be talking about all that next week. So this was just a precursor getting you guys ready for the fact, like, going over the history and stuff. So next week when we start talking about everything they're finding now, you'll understand that this place is clearly... A hotbed of activity. I want to go. I do too. (laughs) So we shall see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Keep it spooky, my friends. See you.